Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Today, I want to talk about the five functions of the church. And more than just talk about them theologically or theoretically, I want to talk about how important it is to understand these five functions and to consider ways to emphasize all of them, to consider models for how that's being done today, and to consider some of the problems with trying to have what I will call a balanced church ministry. Now, when you think about the five functions of the church, there's general agreement on what those are, although there's sometimes uh, some different synonyms or some different words that are used to describe them. But two different sources from two different eras pick the same words, evangelism, discipleship, uh, ministry, fellowship, and worship. Again, evangelism, discipleship, ministry, fellowship, and worship. Now, I have not necessarily put those in any particular order. Uh, Sometimes people put them in an order based on some theological convictions they have or some preferences they want to bring to the table in the discussion. Sometimes people like to start with worship, uh, grounded in the reality that our fundamental responsibility is to worship God, and then out of that grow these other things. I have no problem with putting these in any particular order. Whatever order suits you is fine with me. Evangelism, discipleship, ministry, fellowship, worship, those five words. Now, not only does the order sometimes change, but sometimes the words themselves get swapped out. For example, sometimes people use missions rather than evangelism because missions is perceived as a broader word that encompasses more of the work of sharing the gospel in more places than just evangelism, which is often perceived to be just a local or local church endeavor. Well, I have no real argue with that or no difficulty with that. Uh, Sometimes people substitute the word service for ministry, uh, meaning that the church has a function of serving and of providing care to others in various kinds of ways through those means of service. So I'll grant uh, at the beginning here of the conversation that sometimes uh, you can reorder these five words uh, based on your theological convictions or your biblical studies or your understanding of how the functions may flow out of each other. You may also use some different words, substituting a mission or substituting service. I get that. But for the rest of this podcast, I'm going to use these five, evangelism, discipleship, ministry, fellowship, and worship as the five functions of the church. Now, here are some accurate assumptions about these five functions. Number one, all churches should practice all five functions. Now, don't jump ahead of me. I'm going to talk about problems with this in a few minutes. But right now, let's just lay out some accurate assumptions, some, some goals, if you will, or some, some possibilities, or maybe some aspirations. The first one is this. All churches should practice all five functions. So to be a healthy church, Evangelism, discipleship, ministry, fellowship, and worship should mark your church's life. Can't pick out one or the other. Can't intentionally leave out one or the other. Got to have all five. Second, 
A second assumption is that all five functions are vitally important. And I would say equally important. Now, there might be some pushback at this point because you may say, no, I'd prioritize one in front of the other because it has to precede the one before the other one can happen. I, I, I agree with that. I understand that. But I'm simply saying that all of these five functions are vitally important. They're equally important. They all are a part of what it means to be a healthy church. A third assumption is this. All five functions overlap and intertwine. Now, some of you who like to think in boxes and silos want your church to have evangelism, discipleship, fellowship, ministry, worship. And you want each one of these five areas to have its own director and its own programs and its own schedule and its own people and its own goals and its own, its own outcomes, its own budget. Well, of course, there is some of that in an or, a church organizational structure. But in reality, these things overlap and intertwine. When your church gathers for a morning event on a Sunday, you hope worship is at the forefront of what you're trying to accomplish. But there's also evangelism taking place as people are having gospel conversations in hallways and people are bringing their friends with them to church to hear the preaching and experience the worship. The pastor is declaring the gospel in a public fashion and inviting people to respond. Evangelism. Discipleship is taking place as the pastor is teaching and preaching or as you go into small groups for Sunday school or home group or excuse me, uh, life groups or something like that. Discipleship is taking place as the word of God is taught, discussed. And as you're doing this with children and preschool and youth, it's happening at all these different areas. And then fellowship is taking place as people are sharing life together, as they're talking, as they're praying, as they're drinking coffee, as they're eating a snack, as they're listening to each other's challenges and struggles and and supporting each other with their uh, comments and encouragements. And then what about ministry or service? Yes, of course, that's taking place. You have people uh, manning the doors. You have people driving uh, shuttles in the parking lots. You have people working in the preschool. You have people running the soundboards. You have people picking up the offering and handing out the communion elements. People are serving. So all of these things overlap and intertwine when the church gathers in a context like a worship service or a Sunday morning event. But they also gather and overlap in other times as well. For example, our our church recently had a car show, uh, a classic car show. And in the context of doing that, we had a, a live entertainment stage with dance, dancers and with uh, Christian worship and praise going on. And with uh, we had giveaways of, of uh, things that were related to cars, but also related to the gospel and related to spiritual growth. Um, we had uh, evangelism taking place as people were inviting their friends to come. Uh, we had uh, fellowship taking place as Christians stood around and visited with each other and talked and prayed and, and enjoyed the, the, the day together. Uh, it was all these things going on all at the same time, overlapped and intertwined. And then fi- finally, another assumption is that leaders have a challenge to balance the five functions in their church. 
I believe leaders struggle with this, and it's a constant challenge. And there's a number of different reasons why this comes about, and we're going to talk about those in a moment when we talk about solutions. But for now, let's just let's just agree with the assumption that leaders have to find ways to bring balance to what they're trying to accomplish. All right. So we're talking about a balanced approach to ministry, five functions of the church, evangelism, discipleship, ministry, fellowship, worship. All churches should practice all five functions. They're all equally and vitally important to a healthy church. All these functions overlap and intertwine. They're not standalone silos or standalone areas of ministry. And leaders have the challenge of trying to bring balance to the ministry of a church and the five functions of a church. Now, let me talk now about what I call some dirty little secrets about these five functions or some truth or some reality check moments about these functions. The first one is this. No church, no church practices all five functions all the time. No church is perfect. No church is a five-star church. If you drew a star with five points and said all five points are equal, they all shine brightly, uh, they're all in perfect synchronous uh, effort together, it just doesn't work. So if you're thinking about this podcast and you're already feeling bad, like, man, our church just doesn't measure up. We just don't have this working right. We got strength in this area, weakness in this area. We're good at this one day. We're bad at this another. We're all over the map on some of these issues. Welcome to normal. That's church. No church practices all five of these functions all the time. So if you're struggling in one of these areas, welcome to normal. Another dirty little secret is that some churches do some of these functions better than others intentionally, on purpose, and with design. Some churches are really good at some of these functions, and frankly, not so good at others. This is why a pastor recently told me, uh, we're having a number of people join our church that are coming from another church in our area. He said, we have a family or two a month that come our way. I said, well, why, why is that? He said, well, there's a large church in our area that does evangelism extremely well. They reach a large number of people with the gospel. Uh, they baptize hundreds, sometimes thousands of people a year. But they're not so good at fellowship and discipleship. And after a while, some believers, not all, but some believers really long for something deeper, something more enriching, something a little more relationally connected. So they leave this very large church and come to another church, which is itself not small, four to 500 in attendance, but small enough that it has what they perceive to be greater strengths in discipleship and fellowship. And so they attract some families on a regular basis who are looking for that kind of balance. Now, I'm using this as an illustration. I'm not, and I'm not advocating for it. I'm simply saying that some churches are really good at some things. And if you think about the churches in your community, you can probably identify, well, there's a church in our community that's known for worship. Man, do they ever do that well. A church that's really known for evangelism. Man, do they do that really well. Or a church that's really known for service or for 
discipleship or for uh, fellowship. And man, they do that well. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to acknowledge this. It's actually has some advantage in that we can learn some things from these churches that do one of these things extremely well. But what we want to be careful about is not becoming enamored and think that every church has to be like that if it's going to be successful, especially if you're only measuring success one way, and that's numerically. So one dirty little secret is no church has all five functions vitally functioning equally all the time. And another dirty little secret is every church does some functions better than others. And we can both learn from that and also take some cautionary notes from that along the way. And now the final one of these dirty little secrets is that most churches, most churches emphasize one or more of these functions based on either their leader's passion, their organizational heritage, are in reaction to some problem in their past or in their community. Most churches emphasize one or more of these functions, either out of their leader's passion or their organizational heritage, or in reaction to a problem in their past or maybe in their community. I've had to watch this my entire ministry. What is my passion? Come on, now you know. Of these five, which one of these is the most dear to my heart, (laughs) evangelism. I want to see lost people come to faith in Jesus Christ more than I want to see about anything else happen in the world. I was on a call yesterday with my church's leadership team, and one of our site pastors showed a photograph of the seven people that he baptized the Sunday before. And I'm sitting in my office on a Zoom call with my hands spontaneously up in the air praising God for seven new believers who came to faith in Jesus as a result of the outreach of our new church plant. And in that moment, I couldn't hold myself back. I was so excited. Sitting there by myself, having a praise service because of evangelism taking place in our context. Now, do I value discipleship, ministry, fellowship, worship? Absolutely, yes. But what's my passion? Well, my passion is what motivated me to go into ministry in the first place, and my passion is what sent me to a doctoral degree in evangelism and missions, and my passion is what sent me to Portland, Oregon, to plant a church in a middle school gymnasium in a context of Northwest secularism. My passion is evangelism. And so when I was a pastor, guess what our churches emphasized and were known for? The leader's passion. And if I'm not careful, I can drift entirely toward that and really not give appropriate attention in the other four areas. Now, organizational heritage can also control this. Your church's organization, your denomination's organization, uh, the, the movement from which you were birthed and what that looks like may produce some emphasis on one of these passions over another. For example, I have a friend who's a pastor, but before he was a pastor, he was a social, he was a, uh, a leader in a parachurch movement that focused on serving and meeting the practical needs of people. Now, 
it's a wonderful ministry. I'm not saying anything negative about it, but that was what he did before he became a pastor. Why did he do that for 10 years prior to pastoral service? Because his passion is ministry, service, meeting the needs of people in the name of Jesus. So naturally, as he's become a pastor, what do you think his church is known for? Man, his church has a dozen or more service-oriented, need-meeting ministries that function in their community. And they are good at it. They're well-known for it. And it's, a, it's an example of a church that is on the point of meeting the needs of people because of their organizational heritage, his background in service, his passion as a leader. It all flows together. Another organizational heritage issue, you're Church may be really well known for Bible study. Why? Because perhaps your church was organized around a Sunday school and the Sunday school movement. Your church may really be well known for worship. Why? Because perhaps its organizational heritage was it was birthed by people who were really gifted and good at worship and laid that down as the track upon which the church would primarily run. You get the idea. And then reacting to problems in your church or community. Sometimes when a church has been far out of balance on something, it will react and go the opposite direction and even institutionalize that reaction in its constitution or bylaws or in its organizational structure or budgeting. Or even if not formalized, it will only choose new leaders who share the same kinds of reactionary feeling about different problems that have come about in the past. And so therefore, the church's function that focuses on those problems will be highlighted. Now, Most churches emphasize one of these functions based on one or more of these factors. So we've talked about the five functions of the church, some accurate assumptions and some dirty little secrets about these functions. And now let's talk about some models for implementing these functions. Now, there was an old model that's no longer really in play in most churches, and that is the old model was most functions had a program. For example, worship had the Sunday morning and Sunday night worship services. Ministry had something organized through a deacon family ministry plan or a deacon caregiving ministry organization, or even sometimes through small groups or through Sunday school groups or through home groups. But there's a ministry organization set up to take care of the needs of people. And then evangelism, that was the program. You had visitation night. You had evangelism training programs. You had people set aside who simply saw themselves as the ones who did the work of witnessing. And then discipleship training. It had its own structure. It had a separate Bible study and training structure that was set aside from Sunday school, which was usually a Sunday night program of some kind or a weeknight program of some kind. And it focused entirely on discipleship. And then you had fellowship. Uh, back in the in the old days in the country church, you had fifth Sunday sing, and you had um, you know quarterly uh, gatherings with other churches for uh, shared worship services and fellowship together, and those kinds of events. And you've had you have potlucks, and you have taking food to the bereaved, and you have showing up at uh, things like uh, wakes or funerals or events like that. Fellowship, 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 and you had whole organizations built in the church that were simply designed to get people together and make sure people had the support they needed. Okay, that's the old model. Now, that old model uh, had some strengths. 
Uh, the first strength was every function had prominence. Everyone knew the functions of those different areas of the church, and they all had leaders. They usually had staff. They often, uh, even if it was volunteer staff, they had budget or allocation, allocation of time and resources. And because every function had prominence, people could gravitate toward their passion, which was a second strength. If you were uh, passionate about evangelism, you worked in the evangelism ministry. If you're passionate about discipleship, you get the idea. You just gravitate toward uh, where you felt strongest. And then another strength of the old model was leaders knew what box to put things in. So if someone came to them and had a discipleship question or an evangelism question or a fellowship question, you knew the box. You'd say, you need to see this person. You need to go to this meeting. You need to be a part of this uh, activity. You need to be there on Tuesday night at this time. That's when we do discipleship or that's when fellowship happens. So the strengths of the old model were that every function had prominence. People could gravitate toward their passion and the leaders knew what box to put things in. But this also had weaknesses. The weaknesses of the old approach was that the functions often competed for allegiance, time, and energy so that people were competing against each other, if you will, for the allegiance of volunteer time that people could invest in these different functional areas. And another weakness is that people focused only on their passion to the exclusion of growing in and participating in any of these other uh, passions or, or aspects. And then... Another weakness was that leaders often found themselves promoting their preferred function or their preferred program rather than promoting equally the total ministry of the church. Well, that's the old model, and in most churches, the old model is passed away, and it's been replaced by what I'll call the new model, which is the integration of multiple functions into common organizations or fewer organizations. So... Now, we typically have in most churches one worship service a week or at most two. We now have one small group structure meeting, which is a Sunday school or life groups or home groups, but one small group structure meeting. And we typically have uh, a, a streamlined approach to things like evangelism and discipleship where people are no longer expected to participate in a weekly activity with any of these things, but they are instead incorporated into these ongoing organizations of the worship service, the small group structure, and what I'll call an event structure or a special event structure where you have periodic things, but no ongoing weekly organization that makes these uh, functions happen. Now, some examples of this that I've been giving are this kind of church structure that I'm describing and the simplified organization that goes along with that. And this has some strengths. First, one strength is this holistic approach helps to communicate the integration of our faith and of our functions so that we no longer segment people into these different uh, functional areas. We bring them together, and we say that in this small group structure, we want there to be service taking place. We want fellowship to occur. We want evangelism to happen. Uh, we want worship to be a part. We, we want all of these functions to take place through a small group structure. So this holistic approach communicates an integration of these functions and of our faith. It also provides a streamlined schedule for participants. And people are no longer expected to participate in five different meetings a week or five different uh, activities a week or five different projects a week. No, we've streamlined that, simplified it significantly, which also means for leaders, there's fewer programs to, to manage and certainly fewer programs to promote. 
it really is a much leaner, much simpler organizational plan. But now, in the context of the new model, just like the old model, there are some weaknesses. The first one is some functions are more easily ignored today than they were formerly. In other words, you may have a small group structure that you say is accomplishing evangelism and discipleship and ministry and fellowship and even some worship, but really when you look at it and you ask the hard question of, has this small group really evangelized anyone in the last year? Well, no, but our fellowship has been really good and our discipleship has been really deep. Well, those are good things. Not saying that's negative at all, but a weakness here is that if you're depending on one organization or one organizational structure to get all these functions done, it's easier than ever to ignore one of the functions and to not see it have equal value or equal balanced um, vitality in your church. Another weakness is that these single structure organizational models can produce some short-term gain especially in the beginning when people feel a relief from so much scheduling stress and a more of a focused uh, work on what they're trying to accomplish, et cetera, then there can be short-term gain, but it may not fulfill the long-term objectives of bringing about balanced health over time in the life of the church. And then finally, the, another weakness is that the fewer programs and the fewer identified separate functional areas means that fewer people are being challenged to lead and fewer people are being trained to lead. Now you may say, well, that's because we have fewer leaders. Well, that's part of the problem, but it's also the fact that we have fewer leaders results from the fact that we have fewer opportunities for leadership and we are training fewer people to lead in those opportunities. So while the new model has strengths, it also has some weaknesses that we have to address. So having said all of that, let me see if I can summarize in three or four sentences or three or four big ideas what we need to do to have healthy, vital churches that demonstrate all five functions. First, affirm the difficulty of building a balanced five-function church. It will be hard. And you're never going to get it all the way right. You're simply never going to have a church that has all five of these functions going full uh, at full effectiveness every day, all the time. So first of all, affirm the difficulty of what you're facing. Second, recognize that having all five functions doesn't mean that they have to all be functioning all equally all the time. Take the long view. Over, for example, a year of your church's life, how will you fulfill all five functions? And during what seasons of the year will you focus on fellowship? What seasons of the year will you focus more on evangelism? What seasons of the year will you focus more on discipleship? What seasons will you focus more on fellowship, more on worship? Now understand this. That does not mean that you don't focus on all five, at least in a small way, all the time. But it does mean that you're not focusing on all five equally all the time. 
So for example, a lot of churches use a semester-based approach to have more intensive times of disciple-making. So you may say in the spring and fall, we have a 12-week semester, and during that 12-week semester, we really ramp up our discipleship emphases so that our function of discipleship is really heightened during that time. But other churches say, yeah, but during the summers when we really make our greatest evangelism strides, we have vacation Bible school and youth camp and sports camp, and we have all kinds of outreach activities that are going on like Fourth of July events and other kinds of things like the car show I mentioned earlier and other kinds of festivals and opportunities in our that our church is hosting to bring people to our location and block parties and all of that. So so summer's a heavier season of evangelism for us, and we really want to see more people come to faith during those that season. And then during the Christmas time, we put a lot more emphasis on ministry and on fellowship. You know, we want to come together for some warm and comforting and collecting times around the holidays, and we want our church to do that with special fellowships and special social gatherings and special meals and special worship services in smaller groups where we're celebrating the Lord's Supper and we're reflecting on the Nativity and we're talking about Christmas Eve and we light some candles and all those kinds of things. And then ministry as well, where during that season, we're really raising the bar on benevolence work and going into the community and helping families and meeting the needs of people who don't have enough food and other kinds of basic necessities. So when I say that you take on the task of building a healthy, balanced church, I don't mean that it's every Sunday, every balanced, uh, every area balanced perfectly. I mean that you say over the long haul of time, we're going to make sure that we're doing all five functions and we're going to have seasons of influence or excuse me, seasons of emphasis during the year. But we're going to always be aware that we need to have all five of these working as a healthy church moves forward. And then think about these models. And I've used a dichotomous old model, new model presentation today. But is there a way to borrow from the old model without sacrificing the benefits of the new model? You see, there is some strength, as I said, of the old model that every function had prominence and people could gravitate toward their passion and leaders knew where to direct people to get them in the right box, to get them connected to right kinds of ministry. Maybe you need that too. So while you may streamline to a simpler schedule with an integrated approach to trying to do all of the functions in fewer meetings and in, with, a, with a, a lesser organizational burden, you may also, parallel to that, create some targeted opportunities for people in worship or evangelism or discipleship or ministry or fellowship to say, that's really my passion. And while I'm participating in the whole work of the church and as I'm participating in all the functions of the church through these means that you've organized, is there also some way that we could have some special opportunity to gravitate toward uh, this other these other functions and really strengthen what they're able to accomplish through our church as well. Well, I'm advocating today for a balanced approach to church ministry with all five functions being evident in the ministry and work of your church. You will never have a perfectly balanced church every single Sunday doing all five of these things. This doesn't work. But you do have to ask yourself the hard question. Are any of these functions missing in our church or dormant in our church or being done so poorly in our church that they're contributing to a lack of overall health in the life of our church and in the lives of the people who are members of our church? If so, take a step back, think through these five functions, 
reconsider how you're organized to meet them and make some intentional plans to lead to the healthiest church possible, fulfilling the five functions I've described as you lead on.